What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Across the Board. I'm your host, Chandler Adams. I'm going to be joined today by Eric Goose or You all know him. You probably all don't love him. And special guest, Neil Coulomb. You'll hear all about who he is and what he does after the break, but we got a good show for you guys today. Talking Browns Steelers. Going to be a great matchup on Thursday Night Football. And we talk Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Real contenders? Real MVP contender? A lot of stuff to break down today. And I know all you Browns fans are going to appreciate me going up against two Steelers fans, putting them back in their place. But hope you guys enjoy the show. Here's a little break from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Across the Board Sports is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Daily prop bets for all kinds of sports where thousands of dollars are up for grabs every single day. Want free money? Use the code ATB at sign up for a free $10. Download the free app in the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. And don't forget, use the code ATB at sign up for a free $10. Across the Board Sports. Unique sports coverage. This podcast is also brought to you by Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is so easy to use. It's simple, it's fast, it's effective. It's the easiest way to distribute your podcast to every major platform and in the quickest way. I've gone through other websites to host podcasts, and it's a pain in the butt. Anchor does it for you. Join Anchor.fm and do your podcast the right way. And if you're looking to start a podcast, contact one of us at ATV Sports as we're looking for podcasters for nearly every professional sports team right now. If you think you'd be a good fit, you can also apply at our website, www.atbsports.net. And on the show today, we have Neil Kulong. I hope I pronounced that right, Neil, but he is a man of many talents. But Neil, let, introduce yourself to the guys. We haven't had you on here yet. Well, it's, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. It's Kulong, actually, excellent okay. on the first syllable. But um, I, I run and manage the NFL Wire Network for USA Today Sports Media Group, something I set up um, at, with them after uh, launching Steelers Wire with them. So I'm a, a diehard Steelers guy. I started with that, and uh, we did pretty well with the blog thing, so we expanded it, and we've got um, 32 NFL sites, one for every team, plus a draft site and a buzzy variety site and then we have 10 in the nba and 10 in college as well and we're looking to expand on those fronts so um yeah that's all in the span of about four years but in that time despite the results not being the best i've always remained loyal to the steelers and kind of <laughs> kind of hoping for uh yet another win in cleveland coming up here on on thursday night i'm excited looking forward to it Ooh. Uh, that was the wrong answer, Neil. I was not. <laughs> everything was good up until that last part. I'm sure Geesler's over there drooling out the mouth about that, though. But yeah, that's it's super cool. I started looking into what you were doing more, and I, it's just it's a very cool thing. And congrats on all that. I don't like the Steelers wire, but no, I'm kidding. They do great work over there. Seriously, go check them out. Uh, a lot of great stuff. But speaking of Steelers, they play the Browns this thursday and we all know thursday night you never know what's going to happen what initial reaction what do you guys see happening this week this thursday just before we get into the nitty-gritty what like what are your just raw thoughts from what happened this week 
the whole season to, you know, where the Browns and Steelers are sitting. I don't know. Either one of you can take it. I need a drink. Well, I'll go <laughs> from from uh, from Pittsburgh's perspective. I think um, they really hoped to kind of ride the advantage of a, a three-game um, home game streak, which is what they just got done with. They were able to sweep that. I think this is the position they wanted to be in going into it because uh, some of the injuries that they've had, namely um, James Conner and, and Ramon Foster, two key players in their running game, um, they needed to get them back healthy and get them ready to go uh, for a, a, what's going to be a critical division game for the sake of tiebreakers. And if they have any shot at all of getting back into it uh, to chase Baltimore, and I think that's doubly true for uh, Cleveland as well. And the fact that it is a, a big rivalry game, this seems to be um, the Thursday night game for both of these teams. They, they consistently seem to be to uh, play each other. Uh, the game's often in Cleveland as well. You know, the wind whipping off the lake. It's cold on a Thursday night in November. Uh, it just kind of makes for good theater and good football. And I think you've got, um, you know, it, two teams that certainly have, have brought about some buzz this season. Cleveland certainly more than Pittsburgh has. And I think <laughs> Cleveland, I mean, I, I didn't get a chance to really dig into the, the Bills game uh, from this weekend. But I, Cleveland's, you know, riding the ship. I think it, it's, a, it, it's a team that, to some degree, uh, we should have expected them to struggle a little bit more than we probably thought they were going to in, in July and August when things were a lot of fun, there was a lot of hype. Um, I, I still think they're capable of turning things around toward the end of the year. Uh, the AFC is wide open. You really don't know what you're going to get week in and week out. So I, I wouldn't rule them out of you know a, a late playoff surge here. I, but I do think, though, that sense of urgency gets ratcheted up. They, they need to win this game if they're going to do that. And I think they're, they're going to come off of a win on Sunday with a lot of confidence. And I certainly think that they're capable of beating a team like the Steelers. So I think this is going to be one of the better Steelers-Browns games we've seen. Yeah, it's, you know, this it's almost, I, I think at the beginning of the season, uh, you know, you would have guessed – everything would have been different for the Browns and Steelers. You know, you would have thought that the Browns would be where the Steelers are, if not a little better. And most people predicted the Steelers to be a little bit worse than what they are. And they've both exceeded their expectations. Well, no, the Steelers have exceeded their expectations tremendously while the Browns have just absolutely been a piss poor execute. They've been bad. They've been everything but good. And uh, it's something that, you know, could make for a very exciting matchup. You know, just from, to recap what they're you know what's been going on during the season basically the story of the browns has been bad play calling i'm a freddie apologist and i'll back him because i don't think that you know nine games proves whether you can be an nfl coach or not although this this stretch of games against you know the dolphins the Bengals twice the cardinals uh it's you got to prove it you got to prove that you have something in the tank or else you know what you're almost not worth sticking around and uh but i i think nine games is a limited amount to judge a coach off of completely but he does need to turn around and then nick chubb's been outside of miles garrett maybe the only bright spot of this entire offense and uh when chubb and hunt got on the field together my god it was electric that pony formation changed everything they were able to move the ball defenders didn't know where they were going to go baker mayfield cannot make the Patrick Mahomes shuffle pass to save his life, but whatever. I don't think that's a very good play anyway. Um, and then the Steelers, they send their first round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick, and people automatically start hating on it. You know, I was sitting in the shadows saying uh, they're getting a great player, 
it does scare me that they might not be able to go after a first-round quarterback if Mason Rudolph maybe doesn't turn out and Ben can't come back healthy. So you do lose that first, but Mink has been worth more than a first if you don't take into effect that they might need a quarterback. And like we were talking about before, T.J. Watt, is, if he's not in the AFC North, is likely the best edge rusher in his division. He just has that looming monster of Miles Garrett in front of him. So, I don't know. Geisler, what do you think about your Steelers this year? I mean, I know that that first week, you know, you just you were really you were really depressed after that first week, but you know, have they have they exceeded expectations in your eyes? Well, I'm a pretty level-headed fan when it comes to football because I've had some success in my lifetime and so I'm pretty chill with some rings um, that I've seen. But uh, you wouldn't know anything about that. But uh, I'm pretty excited for the game. You know, it's Thursday night. 2016. Well, the first thing I look at is the weather. It looks like it's going to be decent, 15-mile-an-hour wind. So the the passing game could be a little affected, but nothing terrible. Um, The Steelers could have Connor back, and their run game has really been ineffective. And this game is going to have a lot to do with who can run the ball, who can't. The Steelers somehow find a way to to win these games while looking bad, and that's that's really just been the defense and the toughness that they've displayed. But to answer the question, I've been very pleasantly surprised with the reaction to the Roethlisberger injury and the Week One debacle. The I've of course I've watched the games and. The guys are just playing their ass off. That's all there is to it. They're, it doesn't have anything to do with talent or, or of course, talent factors in, but it, it just shows you in, in sports what a team can do when they when they buy in and play hard. And that's what they do. And I expect the Steelers to win the game, and I expect the Browns to show up and play hard. It's, it's a huge game because the schedules open up for both teams down the stretch. Um more than likely, both teams are going to end on a flurry of wins if they maintain their current trajectory. So the Steelers have the lead right now. So if they can just maintain, they really have a good shot at the playoffs. I, I don't think either one of these teams are contenders right now, but they're sure as hell a good team to watch, both of them. So I'm just excited in general. Don't gamble on Thursday night either. It's just a bad move. It's a bad move. Yeah. Uh so. Something that I think is interesting because in divisional games, um, and more or less in every single Steelers game, it seems, comes down to the last second. Um, this is a neat stat from Andrew Gribble at Twitter. He works for the Browns Digital Media. Dog pound end zone field goal and extra point stats through the first four games at First Energy, which is where the game will be Thursday. Field goals, they're two for five. Extra points, they're nine for 13 on extra points. I, you know, whether it's, you know, botch snap, I don't know. I don't know the exact stats on this. But reliable kickers have been missing in the dog pound. I don't know if that will come down to it. But, you know, that's just something to look at. I thought that stat was kind of neat because, I don't know, you you guys can answer this more. Do you kind of feel a little lucky you got out of that, you know, Colts game? I A win's a win, but how would you feel after that Colts game, you know? Because as – Eric knows I'm not a Jacoby Brissett fan. I think he's a manager at best. I mean, he's a damn good game manager, but he's not an elite quarterback. 
And when Vinatieri got the kick, I was like, yep, Steelers lose. Let's go. And that damn freaking holder. I don't know. I did. Did you guys feel like, okay, we got to win against a good team? Or were you a little like, maybe we should have put it away more? I, I thought, in all honesty, after eight games, this team would be like two and six. So a lot of this is, is more or less icing on the cake for me. Um, they, they played a good Colts team, and I thought the Colts played pretty well. I, I think that the Steelers' defense um, had you know perhaps a few issues, but what we've seen of them uh, more and more is they're coming up big later in the game. And that, that was an issue earlier in the season. Um, and at no point this season have they had the benefit of – playing along with a good offense. So they've had to take a lot of this stuff on their own. Uh, the Colts game was a good example of it. They needed to get some stops. They got some stops. They needed to make big plays. They made big plays. Um, the Vinatieri kick, yeah, I mean, that didn't, you know, the, the whole sequence didn't end up very well. A couple interesting calls down the stretch. Um, they, they very easily could have lost that game. But I don't think that Indianapolis is a terrible team either. In fact, I, I think both of them are probably on the same level. Um, all things considered, they're playing without the quarterback they thought they were going to be playing with. Uh, going into the season. That's a hard thing to just, you know, up and overcome. Uh, Pittsburgh has more playmakers, certainly on defense, than Indianapolis does. So I'm, I'm not surprised, per se, uh, the Steelers were able to win the game. Um, but they're gaining more and more faith in themselves. They're gaining more confidence in themselves as the season continues. And I think Indianapolis might have sort of hit a little bit of a rough patch, and certainly that was, you know, confirmed this week with another kicking situation that they had, uh, losing to a, you know, a, a Miami team that's figuring out how to win. So <laughs> Pittsburgh is needed to do that. They needed to do that early on in the season, figure out for themselves how to be who they are. And to me, that was going to be a, a an extremely difficult task for Mike Tomlin and his staff this year. Um you lost a, an insane amount of firepower to the point where I'm not sure people even understand how much they lost when Antonio Brown decided to do whatever Antonio Brown did. Um, <laughs> that's that's a 180, 190 targets. That's you know Mason Rudolph's best friend if Ben gets hurt in week two and Brown is still out there. He's an incredible football player. Uh, the whole thing is just ridiculous, and we're not going to get into that again, but they lost a lot. You can't replace that with Dante Moncrief, okay? That's another thing I said in the offseason that nobody wanted to hear. Dante Moncrief is not very good. People need to stop paying him money to do this. He's not very good. A, a, a huge overspend for the Steelers. Not the end of the world, but that's the kind of guy that they were looking to to help divide the targets that Brown got, uh, on, you know, as the sun rises um, th throughout the last six years. He was that valuable of a player. Um, you can't replace that with a rookie you took in the third round. You can't replace that with, with Moncrief off the scrap heap. Uh, these are things that you're just not simply going to be able to overcome at all. Uh, figuring out how they're going to do something this season offensively uh, with that over your head and then losing your quarterback, in my opinion, I don't think he was ever healthy during the year, um, not having Ben Roethlisberger at 100% and then not having him at all and then putting Mason Rudolph out there. All of those things together for the Steelers to be five and four right now, um, you know, heading into a, a division game against a good Browns team, it, it's borderline miraculous in my mind. It really is. Um, the Colts kicking situation in that game is the least of my concern. The fact that it was close, I mean, they, they made the plays that they need to make. Um, they haven't had safeties intercept passes, let alone running back for touchdowns. And I don't know how long, you know, it, it's been a while. Um, everything that they've gotten 
to this point they they've built on and that that's the fun thing about this team they're they're going somewhere um this isn't just you know everything is down woe is us they're building a new identity and they're learning how to win uh as a young team as a new team that's a lot of fun to watch and they're, they're going to be tough for for a couple years to come and it's going to be on the backs of learning how to win games like they did against the colts and like they just did against the rams yeah i i don't disagree with a single thing you said there and this you know eric i go back to what you said about who you think is going to win and you know i'm proud of you that you took your team but you're wrong the browns will come up and win this game because of their pony personnel now i i don't know who's going to win but i i do know this the steelers haven't they don't have much tape on that pony personnel yeah they played last week against the bills but that's not that's not a lot. You know, one game you can do this with your team, and then you can set up twenty different formations in another game. Like you just can't tell much from one game. Cream Hunt, what he did do was look like a kid that a kid that truly, truly, truly knows he screwed up and is trying to get better. He was out there playing fullback. I mean, if you watch that game, Cream Hunt was not even close to the best running back out there. It was Nick Chubb. And Cream Hunt was out there lead blocking for him. There was a t- particular play. They ran a zone to the left side. And, you know, like, who just got that huge block? I don't recognize him. Let me show the replay. It's Kareem Hunt, an all-pro running back at 24 years old, who's had all this crap going on in his life. I mean, he did cause it. But all this stuff going on in his life, he's out there lo- throwing lead bo- blocks for the running back that's getting the ball. That's something that I think people want to – shit on Freddie Kitchens because he's done a bad job play calling, which he has. Um, but two things. That that shows that your coaches are it, it, they're in the right mind. There's not been any fights in this Browns locker room. Yeah, where, where are all those people that said this Browns locker room would combust? Baker, Jarvis, and Odell are over on the sidelines talking after a terrible possession. They all they're not yelling at each other, but they're you know, they're amped up and then they all fist bump and walk away like this I think that Freddie Kitchens has the right mindset with this team. Is they're they're not being the combustible team that people said they were. Because I think if you told people that the Browns lose to the Titans and play this bad, get rocked by San Francisco on Monday night, that this team would blow up, people would be traded, coaches be fired. They've been pretty steady. And the second thing is that Baker, the past three weeks, has played the first, second, no wait, second, third, and fourth maybe. First, he's played top four past defenses in the NFL. He's had four touchdowns, one interception, which was that stupid damn shuffle pass that teams do now that counts as a pass, which sucks when your team gets intercepted, but it's nice when they fumble the ball like they did last week. Whatever, that's a stupid play. Andy so he's Reed. not thrown. What? Andy Reid started that, I think. Or yeah, he didn't he did. start it, but he he abused it. Oh, yeah. He got it He got it going. And, yeah. Um. So he's played well, 65% completion percentage. He's doing this all on pretty bad play calling. So that's the one thing, uh, as good as Minka and Joe Hayden have been and uh, Watt, that's the thing that kind of makes me, you know, Baker's turning back into rookie year Baker. You know, he wasn't elite in his rookie year, but he was damn good. He was top 10 quarterback in the NFL. So, you know, all that into consideration, I think the Browns have a very good shot at winning this. I think it's pretty much 50-50 right now. I don't think I'm crazy for saying that. I well, don't know the, what your guys is. The, the thing about the Browns is all, all the perceived drama or whatever you want to call it has been external. 
So what what you're saying about the team sticking together, I I think it's pretty true. I haven't seen any outside of the Mayfield mustache. I really haven't seen any signs of trouble coming out of the locker room. The hell is having a mustache a problem? That was a problem, um, just on a different level from football. That oh, okay. that was like okay. more of a personal <laughs> issue. But uh, it was. He did, but he did this all year last year too. It was hilarious. He did it all year. It was my favorite. when he was doing it. Yeah. When he was doing it, throwing five touchdowns on the Bengals, it wasn't a story. Be, uh, I don't know. I think yeah. the big time media out there, you, you beat the Bengals, you, you're gonna win the Super Bowl, all that shit. We'll get that to later when we do the Browns. Are you guys good on the Steelers Browns? Any any last remarks about how you guys are gonna? Be a little sad Thursday night come midnight. Anything else? I mean, I'm willing to throw down. <laughs> I some think honestly, cash. I I don't even I I wouldn't bet on a Thursday game anyway. Um, no. But I I can see this going either way. I don't understand how reasonably anybody can say that either team is going to walk in and <laughs> walk away with it. Um, I think it, it's the combination of um a Steelers team that's been decimated by injuries and departures, figuring out a lot of things that's really just not talented at all on offense. And that's how good their defense is. If their defense doesn't stand on its head, I don't think they're going to win. Um, Cleveland is plagued by a a first time head coach. Keep in mind, you said nine games isn't enough to be a coach earlier in, in, in the segment. He hasn't been a head coach at all. He was a coordinator last year. Uh, He was the running backs coach. Uh, yeah. up until right about now last year he has zero experience in the position that he's in and it shows <laughs> and mm-hmm. good coaches are going to beat him pretty badly uh, and, yeah, until he learns it's a baptism by fire um you have to expect that that's a huge part of why cleveland is in the in the position that they're in right now um but that doesn't mean that the lumps that they're taking are not things that they're going to build on and learn from they've taken a lot of them you know obviously year hasn't gone very well for him up to this point but they're a talented team, and you, you, you've mentioned a couple times um, being able to play two talented running backs in the backfield like that. Sure, they can they can throw a couple snaps of that on film um, against Buffalo, but Pittsburgh has, what, three days to break that down, write up a game plan against it, and practice it. They don't have any time. They may as well unveil it Thursday night. That's going to be a problem, and I've been saying that all year. you got to play Cleveland right after Hunt gets back on a short week. That's a huge advantage for Cleveland. Um, little things like that might be the difference. You know, I, I think it's going to be a really competitive game. I think it comes down to the last drive, um, and you know, the, they'll they'll repeat the same thing two weeks later when they play it in Pittsburgh. Yeah, well, the, yeah. The thing the about steel, Cleveland, if you're not, yeah, go ahead. Well, the the thing about Cleveland and the reason the narrative is constantly pretty kitchens is because this is football, and in football more than any other sport, the the coaching staff and the head coach is essential to winning i mean look at the standings look at the top two teams in every division every one of those teams is led by you know 10 15 year veteran coaches almost that it's not a place for rookie coaches it and they they do uh make their mark at times like mcveigh etc but uh as a general rule the 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 old heads are ruling i mean yeah i if they're I don't know how you guys feel about this, I guess, but the one thing that's drove me nuts over my time as a Cleveland fan is the Marvin Jones firings, uh, call for firings, that was completely, I don't want to say necessary, but viable. You know, they couldn't get it done. Just sometimes stagnant things need to be replaced. 
But this whole I saw this offseason I was seeing stuff about Mike Tomlin being fired. And the first thing that went to my head was I got to look up his schedule. I mean his record cuz I was like I can't remember a losing season as a Browns fan for the Steelers. And surely enough, he had never been worse than 500. So then I think, well, what about the locker room? Well, he's got a pretty ignorant-ass quarterback. He had an <laughs> explosive running back-wide receiver tandem. And he handled all that perfectly. He had them all three playing as the killer bees. And they were the most – they were Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Kareem Hunt before they were. Like, they were elite. No one wanted to play them. They were terrified unless they wore – and then especially when they wore those ugly-ass convict jerseys. Like – Mike Tomlin is obviously – he's not the best coach in the NFL. He has a lot of questionable time management. Uh, you know, play calling is not all on him. He has coordinators. But he does things that make you raise an eyebrow. But at the end of the day, he's done an absolutely – I want to say perfect. I'm going to say perfect. Perfect job in Pittsburgh with the opportun- with the stuff that's been thrown his way. I, I don't know out of other than Bill Belichick, but I think he would have just cut them, so maybe not even. A coach that could have handled Bell, Brown, and Roethlisberger all at the same time while having a pretty much terrible defense and making that work somehow. I don't know. I I don't know if anybody was better suited to handle that three-headed monster that was just an explosion waiting to happen. Isn't this kind I, of I've, a thing with the NFL now, though? I mean, really, it, it's – the greatest job that Tomlin did, nobody will know until this generation succeeds or fails. They're not going to understand uh, the the talent that was in that room and the difficulty of getting all of them when they got paid. And they had all of them essentially signed. Bell, the the con. I'm not going to get into the details of the contract. The contract the Steelers offered Bell was at at worst competitive with what he signed for with the Jets. They were in the ballpark, and they offered it to him. They offered him two contracts. Brown actually signed his contract, keep that in mind, and they gave Ben two extensions during that time as well. So they had all of them in there, and they had a lot of offensive success. They they couldn't have possibly drafted any more defensive players. You know, they, they couldn't <laughs> have done more to that. Um, it's finally taking root. You know, fortunately for them, all they needed to do was something they haven't done in 53 years, which was, you know, trade a first-round pick. Uh, in the middle of the season um, to get Minka Fitzpatrick and things are coming together. That That's great. And maybe Tomlin missed on a, a few things here and there. You know, maybe it didn't work out that way. But in the NFL now, really, you look at the Belichick model and what superstar offensive player did Belichick ever really keep around outside of Brady and, and Gronk? How many yeah. of them? Not very many of them. Don't tell me Wes Welker was a superstar. <laughs> Don't tell me Julian Edelman is a superstar or he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I'm not listening to that. He he managed all of it because he didn't let guys stick around long enough to develop these kinds of problems. The Steelers, their biggest fault was they wanted to keep three of the best offensive players in the NFL together. And they did. By and large, they did until, well, they, they didn't. You know, Not everything works out, but they got a lot of run out of that. You know, it, It's a pretty successful run, all things considered. Um, but in the end, it was just, I think Tomlin managed all of it um, probably to the detriment of everything overall. But uh, in retrospect, I'm not sure at what point you want to say, um, no, we don't want the most prolific NFL receiver since Jerry Rice on our team anymore. Uh, we don't want the next Ladanian Tomlinson on our team anymore. I, I don't know how you deal with that, but there's not a whole lot of coaches that have really had to manage that in in this salary cap era. 
Don't give me the Cowboys. That's not the same thing at all. <laughs> in, in, in the free agency era, in the current CBA, it, nobody's even come close to dealing with that kind of a challenge. And you're seeing One. teams now cutting bait with these guys quicker and quicker, I think, to avoid these eventualities. You know, they just don't think that it's going to work. They don't want to link up long term with somebody because they're going to end up being too much of a hassle than even their their legendary production is showing. And mm-hmm. nobody knew go, just hey, how crazy. Say. Nobody knew just how crazy Brown was until until, you know, seven, eight weeks ago. He he doesn't even speak English. Oh, oh they I mean, knew. They well, knew. I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. People, and, people uh, by and large, didn't know. There are plenty within the Pittsburgh media that were well aware of who Antonio Brown was. And, yes, the team tolerated it, but there's a lot of that you know, tolerance that's given out to players that fans don't think happens. They don't think yeah. that this is an issue. Any other team, the Steelers are the ones with all the drama. It, it, it just became uh, you know, Tomlin's biggest enemy became himself and what they had to do to get Brown focused on the game and to, yeah. to go out and play the game. Um, look at the numbers the guy was putting up. And really the, the only significant uh, public-facing issues that he had was he, he ran backwards into the end zone the last 15 yards of a punt return touchdown. That cost a penalty. A um, couple celebration penalties, I guess. And he was late to absolutely everything. I believe. Those are annoying things. Those are small things. But he's chucking up, you know, 120 uh, 15, 50, and 12 every year, nobody's really concerned with his punctuality a whole lot. The offense mm-hmm. was working just fine. There were a lot of other things that weren't. Um, it, it, it's it's really hard to say uh, in the present moment when the right time is to cut somebody loose. That That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. And I, you know, it's not on nearly the same level of talent, but you know, Cleveland, uh, I know I have a lot of Cleveland listeners, we're having the same problem with Antonio Callaway right now. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how many chances you get him. I think he had strike seven. He showed up late to the Bills-Browns game. I don't know how you show up late to your biggest thing of the week. But it, someone for Antonio Brown, you know, you just give him a little more. You know, you keep extending the leash. You keep going. But Callaway, my God, is he an explosive and fun player. But he's... 1700 tiers below Antonio Brown and there's only five tiers. I mean, it's just not even it's not even relatable. So and it's it's stuff that Tomlin was handle able to handle as well as he could have, I think, and uh something that the Browns are pretty, doing a pretty bad job at, which is, you know, it takes time to build a culture and I think John Dorsey's the right guy to do it, although he makes some questionable draft picks with ta- uh player personalities and stuff he I, you know Billy Ellis, he likes a bad guy i've loved yeah. mike tomlin since day one and even my wife loves mike tomlin like i'm i'm ride or die on that he can he's the man well um we're gonna take a not a break but i'm just gonna tell you guys right now Go over to thrivefantasy.com. It's also available in the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. Use code ATB at sign up for free $10. It's the best prop betting app out there and website. Like seriously, guys, there's a there's a thing for a couple thousand dollars tonight. Pretty much every night for NBA. Geesler loves it. He's been successful over there. I was not very successful over there. <laughs> uh 
Go check it out. It's really smooth. Eric loves the interface. He's always freaking sending me how he's winning about it. And it's a good okay, site. You got dinner. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's gonna be able to let Geesler take me out on dates now, winning all of his Thrive money. <laughs> but let's we're gonna stay in the AFC North, shift it over to Baltimore. You know, I was talking to you guys before we started uh, recording. There's this thing in the national media that people love to do. It's you beat the Bengals, you beat the Dolphins, you beat the I, – I don't want to say the Cardinals because they've proven pretty to be pretty good. You beat the Bengals or you beat the Dolphins and, oh, my God, they're a Super Bowl contender. And then, you know, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens went into – they beat the Patriots last Sunday. And then the Patriots had a bye week, so now it's – Oh, the Ravens are the most they're the most complete team in the AFC. They're the most the best team in the AFC. Lamar Jackson's by far the MVP. Let me remind you guys something. The MVP is not the most exciting player. If it were that, Lamar Jackson would win it. Lamar Jackson's not the best player. And it's not not to take away from him that Harbaugh has built the perfect team around him on offense. But Lamar Jackson, he's against good defenses. He's still struggling pretty pretty heavily to sit in the pocket and throw. He's doing a great job of escaping the pocket when it collapses. He's doing a great job of creating throws on the run. And I, I don't want to be this dickhead that's always bashing on Lamar because I love Lamar. He's a great kid. He's one of the most fun kids to root for. And you, His press conferences, you fall in love with him more. But most of Lamar's passes are to his big, big tight ends right up the middle of the field where he's on the run, so there's no one. That, you know, the pass breaks up in the backfield. I mean, the defenders lose the wide receiver. Lamar Jackson is not the best player in the NFL, and that's basically what the MVP is. I know it's the most valuable player, so, you know, you can argue, is it the most valuable to their team? Is it the best player? I like to think it's the best player. But that's, that's not what I want to talk about. Sorry. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Uh, sustainability maybe this year I definitely think the Ravens are a good team this year their their defense is not elite I don't care what Marcus Peters is doing don't get me going on that the offense is sustainable until one injury I mean might I remind you the guy that Lamar pitched it to in the Heisman package for the Ravens last year was looking like he was going to be the best quarterback in the NFL and then what happened one bad hit because he was a running quarterback I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is going to get hurt, but the odds of him getting hurt because of what's what he's doing in the game are much higher. So I don't think the Ravens are sustainable the way they are long-term, definitely. This year, possibly. I still don't think they're Super Bowl contenders. That was a lot. What, what do you guys think? That was a lot to throw out there. Well, the If it's me, starting with just the idea of Lamar Jackson um, – as an MVP candidate, I, I I don't think you can have the conversation right now without including him in it. I, I wouldn't give him the award, and I, obviously it doesn't matter after, you know, week 10. Um, let's see how he finishes. I, I like what I've seen of him. I, they've, they've done an excellent job coaching him. Um, Jim Harbaugh, or, excuse me, John Harbaugh is a great <laughs> coach. Um, a lot of what Jim Harbaugh did, uh, you can see in what John is now doing and his staff are doing uh, with Lamar Jackson. And he looks... 10 times better than he was last year. And that, that, that was always the skinny on him. I know that people don't like this. If, if you weren't 
proclaiming him the obvious number one pick in the draft. You were somehow against him. Um, I just I saw him as as a guy that's going to need some time. I said the same thing about Patrick Mahomes. I was a lot more excited about Mahomes than I was Jackson, but I thought Jackson would do well. I, it, it was going to take uh, the right-minded coach. Now, I didn't think that a team would break their offense down uh, to what Baltimore is doing, but they do an excellent job of it. It's not easy to defend. Um, it, it's going to take a lot of commitment from a team. They might not have all the time to coach it, and I think this is part of the genius of what they're doing with him. Um, you don't get, you know, preparation ahead of time. You, you can't practice your, you know, what you're going to run against Pittsburgh while you're preparing for Cleveland because they run the same kinds of stuff. Nobody does anything like what Baltimore does. Not for a game, that's for sure. So it, it takes a lot of preparation uh, doing something that they're not used to doing. That said, teams are going to catch up to it eventually. He's not going to, one, play the Bengals every single week, play the Cardinals, play the Dolphins before they figure out anything of what's going on. He's not going to have those advantages all the time. Um, he is, though, going to have highlight plays. He's going to deliver good passes from the pocket. He, he doesn't throw all that often from outside the pocket. That, that's something I think that's getting missed in, in a lot of the hype that he's getting. Uh, he runs when he needs to run. They have a couple design runs here and there, even crazy, stupid ones with your backup quarterback. I don't know what that was about, but they're, they're able to move the ball well. He's a, an exciting player. He's an explosive player, but he's a very good player. He's smart. He knows what he's doing on the field. They're going to win games with him. Um, I, I think it was, for me, it was more a question of when as opposed to if. Um, I wonder who's going to figure out the same type of way that Gus Bradley and the Chargers did in the playoffs last year, how to stop what they're currently doing. They do a lot more uh, diverse stuff than they did last year. Last year, I think, was a bit easier to figure out. But teams are not used to being run on this much. You know, your, your marquee players that you want out on the field most of the time are typically defending against the pass, trying to hit the quarterback or both. Um, you're, you're not seeing teams that are really, um, you know, chomping at the bit to get out there and stop the run the way that they were probably 15 years ago. So it, it's a strategic advantage for the Ravens. And I think they'll continue uh, to succeed um, using that strategy for a bit. Somebody will eventually figure it out. Um, they'll, they'll have a rough game here and there. He's not going to execute as perfectly as he did. I didn't think he played all that great of a game against Pittsburgh. I don't think he played all that great of a game against Kansas City. And they lost those games. I don't think it's a coincidence. And that's why I think, yeah, yeah MVP. And the Browns. I think he's, he's in the Browns, excuse me. <laughs> I'm, mentally, I'm mentally overstepping the Browns game where he got completely <laughs> shellacked. You, you get those games. You know, Brady got mm. whipped against him too. So, I mean, it, yeah. what goes around comes around in the NFL. But what you're seeing is if he's not playing well, the team isn't playing well. I don't think that's very different for Russell Wilson. I don't think it's all that different for Deshaun Watson. Um, Christian McCaffrey's a name that, that, that should be put in that conversation as well. Um, it, it's. I think this is the most intriguing MVP conversation we will have had. But whoever wins, I think it's going to be on the steam of the next six, seven games. Um, you know, not so much just what we've seen of Lamar Jackson on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's, and that's kind of what's sad about uh, you know being a Heisman winner or being an MVP winner is it's you kind of ha you got to have these moments like you got to have these breakthrough moments and Lamar just had one and he's had a ton but he just had that one versus the Bengals where that spin move all these kids are going to go out and do spin moves now for you know the next 2 years and you know say want to be Lamar Jackson but something about the Ravens is that needs to be said is 
they had the second easiest schedule to date, and now they have the second hardest schedule. Flip flop it completely. They play the Texans, whose off whose defense is not elite by any standards, but Deshaun Watson, I p- firmly believe he can throw all over this Ravens team, who has elite players in that secondary, but they don't have a pass rush. And when you don't get the Deshaun Watson, that's not a good thing for your team. And then they play the Rams, who have been awful all year. I mean, they've played terrible for Rams standards, and they're still hanging around in games. Uh, they have some very good defensive pieces. And then they go to – then they go – play the 49ers not in San Fran but the 49ers and then the Bills and then the Browns and Steelers who you know the Browns haven't had the flashy turnovers and whatnot but they've held teams to um they've I think they've been the seventh best passing yards per game team um you know whether that be because they're running all over us I don't want to talk about it but (laughs) they've got some hard games um you know I I don't think that they go on a crazy losing streak but there are definitely games in there where they can lose and i suspect they will lose some um you know you've brought it up a couple times neil the chargers wrote the blueprint last year in the playoffs on how to stop this this ravens offense and the browns they uh i didn't watch the steelers ravens game so i don't know but the browns did a great job holding lamar jackson you know he scored that garbage touchdown at the end of the game he played pretty bad to, against them. It's it is a stoppable offense. It's still very hard to stop. It's not an easy offense by any means. But like you said before we started recording, the option and they don't run all option, but the option is about your assignment. Once you get disciplined teams that can fulfill their assignments, that's when they're going to start having problems. The 49ers are that, the Bills are that, the Steelers are that. I don't know. I, I, I'm i not as huge on the Ravens as most people. I love Lamar Jackson. I've said it. People think I'm a Lamar hater because I don't think he's the MVP, and I don't think he's a better quarterback. Traject- I don't think he's had a better quarterback trajectory than Baker, and I don't think that's Homer bias. Stats, I mean, I'm a numbers guy. The numbers have proven over time guys like Baker prevail over Lamar. That's not always the case. Lamar is special. He can do that, but I still just don't love his longevity. I don't love it at all. So what do you think? Well, the thing about the Ravens is at some point you just got to call a spade a spade, and this is by far the best team in the North. They do have a tough schedule ahead. Whoa, what about the Bengals? Yeah, well, <laughs> sorry Bengals fans. They're going to be competitive. But uh, I, They're going to get feisty here. I like to throw shade at the Ravens early in the season, but they really showed that they're here. They really showed that they're here this season. When they played, when they went into Seattle, and then they had a bye, and then they turned around and beat New England. Now we can say whatever we want about how you can scheme their offense down, but you don't just go to Seattle and win games if you're not a, a you know, a bona fide team. And as far as Lamar goes, and trying to compare him to this or that, he really doesn't have a peer right now. He's the best of what he is. Um, can what he is win in the playoffs? Um, Probably probably not against, you know, elite level offense. Like I don't I don't think he can get in a shootout with a, another quarterback that's gonna put up thirty five, but no. at the same time no. the the way the NFL's shaking out right now, I don't see any juggernauts. So is he in the mix? Are are the Ravens in the mix? Yes they are. They they have a non zero chance of, you know, hoisting the trophy. But 
that's not where my money would go. But all I know is, as much as I hate the Ravens, I love watching them. And I love how they went all in. They just went all in. They, they got Miles Boykin. They got Hollywood Brown. You know, they've got Andrews. They, they put the skill set around Lamar that needed to be there. And going out, going and getting a stud like Ingram, whenever when everybody in the preseason is talking about the the real fast dude's gonna be awesome. What is what's his even name? Is Hill or what? But uh, Jeremy Hill? Hill. No, the the rookie. What the heck's that guy's name that everybody said it was gonna be awesome? Take Ingram's the running job. back for the yeah. Ravens. Yeah, Justice Hill. Yeah, ju- you know, say, pre preseason. Every Ravens player is super hyped. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I stopped paying attention. I'm not he hearing had, Miles he Boykin being a great know. player anymore. <laughs> Well, I like the I like the skill set that they went and got, and they gave up on the the garbage they had at wide receiver and put two new guys in the in the depth. Yeah, chart. they just they got younger guys that are just like the ones they signed. It broke down. Yeah, <laughs> it's too bad. I, I missed the Jeremy Macklin and Mike Wallace days. Those were fun. Yeah, those guys sucked. At least <laughs> at least these new they were, guys. They were walking were garbage when they were in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I like. I'm not trying to rip. I I like Brown as a player. I think he'll be good. Um, Boykin, I I. I don't know. I wouldn't have taken him where they took him. Um, it was early. It's a battleship, you know. He, he doesn't. He's got one gear, and it's fine. But he, he's basically a poor man's DK Metcalf. And, yeah, he's huge. You know, Metcalf is, what he is. is. He's he's a long stride, big guy with no agility. He can't move outside of the straight line that he runs on down the field. And you have a quarterback that doesn't throw well outside the numbers. I, I don't know what you're trying to do with him. I'm really not. Well, I, what not they sure, want, but what they want is um, the outside we'll, threat. We'll see. They they want a threat out there so they can dominate in the hashes. They you you can't have Lamar running around if you don't have threats on the outside. And I think that's why they they went and got Boykin. I, I don't know. It, I'm I'm far more concerned with Lamar Jackson than I am Miles Boykin. That's for sure. I, I, I agree. Don't care where he is on the field. Yeah. I can put one guy on him and probably be fine. Jackson has to. If Jackson's on the move to a point where he's going to be able to set and really throw something down the field that was not set up. Um, it's not a breakdown of coverage or it's not against the Miami Dolphins, he's probably not going to, to throw it, in, it to anything of coverage. He doesn't need to. He can run for eight, nine yards without really even moving. You know, he, he's that good of an athlete. They don't need to do a whole lot outside of what they're doing. I agree with you. It's probably a threat, but you know, it, I don't know. I just I don't think Boykin is what many Ravens fans think he's going to be. Um, no. Their offense is exactly what we think that it is. Uh, they're they're not going to hide much. They're just going to come out and smack you in the mouth and then run past you. They're they're good at it. Boykin doesn't yeah. really fit with that in my mind. No, I I agree. I think uh, when team fans of teams when their player drafts a run a wide receiver that looks like DK Metcalf or Miles Boykin, they all expect Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Josh Gordon in that year. These anomalies that are huge, huge men that run like they're Tyreek Hill. Like it doesn't happen. That's why there's that's why Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, that's why they are the best at their position right now. That it's Miles Boykin and DK Metcalf's odds of getting to that, I would say, are low. I mean, my grandma runs a faster three cone than DK Metcalf, and Miles Boykin ran one route in college. It's just these, Still does. <laughs> these are just things that happen. Uh, my grandma plays in the NFL apparently because she can run a faster three. <laughs> but you, but you can be an asset no. with one with one positive trait. Yeah, like they true. don't. Oh, absolutely. They don't need seventy catches. They need thirty-five awesome ones. 
I mean, yeah, I still I don't, don't know. Don't even do that, but I don't think Boykins that. I think Marquise Brown can do that for you. Um, yeah, I mean, just get behind the defender. That's all he needs to do. And they but, set him up for it. You know, yeah, a guy absolutely. with speed. You you don't need to sell a defensive back for long. On, I mean, they they kind of did it uh, the first play of the game against Cincinnati. And granted, Cincinnati safeties are are just horrible. They look <laughs> like they would have played for the Browns in 2017. Let's put it that way. Uh, the 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 Bates kid hesitated for a second on the play action, and then uh, Brown was on him. And it wasn't so much that he couldn't keep up; it's that he kept looking in the backfield. And Brown yeah. just needs a step at that point, and he has the acceleration to be able to do that. He gets, you know, it, it, it probably a good stride ahead of the defender, and he can make a play down the field. That's something then they have to respect for the rest of the game. Brown can do that. He's a home run hitter. He's a legit high level, high speed guy. Um, he's not somebody that they're going to want to have getting 170 targets. They're going to have three tight ends with 170 targets each if they want to throw the ball. That's the way Baltimore, you know, approaches the passing game. Brown can be a big weapon into that. Metcalf, I think, just takes away from it. If anything, he just takes speed off the field. Yeah. I, uh, I, I completely agree. I, uh, I don't know about you boys. That, uh, we were going to get into Kansas City, but I have to cut it short. I, are you guys okay with stopping here? Is there any more Steelers, Browns, Ravens talk? You guys that you didn't feel covered, say it now, because I still got a little bit of time, just not enough to get into KC. No, probably not. I I, I liked what you said about Houston giving them kind of a matchup issue. I think that'll be a fun game to watch, and I think if Baltimore can win that one, I don't I don't know if anybody in the NFC or the AFC is going to be able to beat them. But yeah, I don't think that's worth diving into. <laughs> Eric, you got anything about the steel curtain? Outside of my just basic fandom level, just being through the roof right now, not really. I mean, the North is just a great division. It really is. I know it's probably frustrating uh, being on the Cleveland part of it, but now I'm okay. I'm I'm yeah. the I'm the this you know is, this is year one. It's yeah. <laughs> people need to get over the fact. In all reality, that you, losing Rome wasn't yeah. built in a day. Yeah. <clears throat> Browns fans are known for being like a little bit overly optimistic. Well, I'm like known on Browns Twitter as the annoyingly over optimistic person because <laughs> I refuse to shit on my team when they've had nine games as a unit to prove themselves. Did I think OBJ and Baker would click right away? Um, no, because Baker's never had close to this talent and OBJ's never had an accurate receiver. So that's a little shot at Eli, but Baker's not been very accurate this I year. I thought either. they would click, honestly. I thought I think I think they'll click in time for sure. I was buying I think the Browns off. When offense. you bring in that many egos, you have so many different things that you need to do with a, a brand new coach, offensive minded coach who needed to rebuild his defense, who doesn't have an offensive line, who has a bunch of new coaches around him. Anybody thinking this team was going to win more than maybe if they got lucky nine games is crazy. I I, just, I never for the life of me understood why this isn't Madden. You can't just plug and play players there's chemistry you have to build stuff you have to have rapport with one another and it's not like you you hate them or anything it's just more you have to learn what everyone else is going to be good at when they are together in their own group that takes time to build and the thing with football unlike say baseball where you can you know swing a bat 24 hours a day and play two games a day for an entire year you don't get very many opportunities in football 
So to build the best thing that's the right thing that you can win at consistently, it, it takes time, more than one season. And I don't think Cleveland season's over yet. I think it's just starting. I, they're, they're going to get better here. Um, it's not going to be you know anything miraculous that was just added. It's going to be the fact that they took lumps early and they had to look at each other to, to build everything up. They had to, to you know be humbled. Frankly, they weren't. It was embarrassing how, how awful they were. No reason Beckham shouldn't have gone to, to, to minicamp. All of these things are like, you guys have no clue how to win. That's the problem with you. You're yeah, not going true. to win because you don't know how to win. Your coach needs to shut up. Your quarterback needs to shut up. Your wide receiver needs to show up and do the work. I think Jarvis Landry is, is obnoxious. I thought his little rant on, on hard knocks was laughably <laughs> bad. But he's the only one that you can look up to in that offense and say he's doing it right. This is a guy that, that's doing things the right way. And this is why Cleveland went and got him. That's why they paid him a bunch. They want a guy that's doing things the right way to lead everybody else. But, you know, you're, you're two, biggest, two biggest guys in the locker room, your quarterback and your head coach. Your quarterback is up there rolling his eyes when a running back is saying, you know what, I kind of want to be traded. If you don't want me here, I don't want to be here. There's absolutely no reason to react like that. Every other person in the locker room sees that. They hear about it. It's something that everybody has to talk about. And then he's going out and getting in arguments with, with whether it's Skip Bayless that week or Rex Ryan or whoever. And his justification the whole time is, well, I'm just being me. It's like, all right, well, stop being an asshole. If that's you, stop. All right? It, it's not rocket surgery. You don't lead people this way. You can't do that. I know that you, I know it's fun. I know you like doing it. But you can't. Shut up. Accept the fact that that's your job and go to work. Your team sucks. You suck. You need to get better, and you're not going to do it by mouthing off to people in the media. He doesn't get that. Maybe maybe it's because I'm more Gen X than I am millennial, but I don't get it. I really don't. Well, I was you the same way. To go about your business. It, you know, yeah, third, maybe I was. I, yeah, but he's the quarterback and he's the leader. I wasn't. I was just some dude, you know, chilling with my buddies. You know, this is the leader <laughs> of a. Yep. Of a franchise. And that's the thing. I mean, it, it's you, you get where he's coming from. He doesn't want to be the stuffy CEO type that, frankly, every quarterback turns into when they, they get that first contract extension. And that's fine. Have fun. Be playful. You only needed to yell at your former coach once on the sideline. You know, <laughs> you didn't need to dip back into that well. And he continues to do those kinds of things. And it rubs people the wrong way. And it makes people react even more when he doesn't do well. And after a while, that, that negativity, that toxicity just drags you down. And it's like that for every team. You know, it's not just his. It's not just him. There are battles that he doesn't need to fight. That's that's all I'm saying about it. Well, I don't like the yeah, current I, environment with uh, how they crucify the players. But at the same time, the players need to understand that's the environment they exist in. So if you if you act like that, you got you have to know what's coming. I don't I don't like it, but that's the way it is. Well, how about this? I thought the mustache thing was great. I thought yeah. it was very funny. It was a great response to something that looked really kind of weird. But he, the way that he played that off was perfect. It was hilarious. He didn't make it a thing. It wasn't a big deal. It was a great comment. And that diffuses a loss. That gets everybody in the locker room. You can chuckle a little bit. It's, sort of, it, it's dumb. It's funny. But he's taking the sting out of the loss. And he's taking it on himself. He's going to let everybody make fun of him. And... Yeah. You know, get the media away from everybody else. If if you're a talented leader, if you really use the charisma that, that Mayfield has boatloads of, if you use that in a positive way, you will be able to control the message. And that's what he needs to do. Instead, he wants to talk about himself 
in a, a very confrontational way. It doesn't need to be that way. You know, a mm -hmm. lot of it is just that that's the chip on his shoulder. I covered Heinz Ward. Nobody on earth had a bigger chip on his shoulder than Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward was a 14-year NFL veteran who still reminded coaches on a daily basis that he was drafted in the third round. Okay? <laughs> that's in, that's like pathological. That that goes from funny and endearing to kind of embarrassing to scary, and this guy's completely out of his mind. All right? Mayfield <laughs> doesn't need to, to go down that route. Be fun. Be cool. Be that guy. That, that's, that's great. Nobody has an issue with it, but you have to know when to take yourself seriously, when to take your job seriously, and to not worry about what other people are saying or doing. You have to be able to draw that line because you're the one that defines it for the team. He has a problem with that, and it's probably because he's 23 years old. I'll say yep. all of that, and I'll add this. His, his um, I don't even know what product he's selling, but his commercials, nine million times better than anything Aaron Rodgers has ever done. All right, that's a big leg. That's that's a big leg to stand on because Aaron Rodgers couldn't be in any more commercials. It's annoying. His <laughs> yeah. commercials suck. They Mayfields suck. are funny. <laughs> Those are good. His, did you see the new one? They just got televised yesterday during the game. He's eating cereal on his robe, and his comedic timing. <laughs> his timing with OBJ this year has been pitiful. I still love them both, but they've been off. Yeah. They've been terrible. And, uh, and you want to know why? I'll, it, honestly, I will say this: it's because OBJ doesn't have natural charisma he really no. doesn't mayfield's like a politician i don't we haven't seen a quarterback with with charisma like that since peyton and peyton's incredibly funny very charismatic very sociable guy mayfield's like that beckham is oh, yeah. not beckham's kind of a crazy dude you know <laughs> um landry is is like a sycophant too you can kind of there's an unhealthy type of relationship with those two and a guy like mayfield they probably don't get it you know, he probably can't really relate to them because they're not at his level of, you know, personality. Beckham thinks that he is, but he's not. Beckham's awkward. He's uncomfortable. He's not geeky by any means, but he's just not a normal kind of guy. Mayfield's the dude that you, you met at the keg party the other night. You know, he's an everyman. That's what? rare in a quarterback. It's just like, that might it's be just a like, uh... yeah, yeah. He shouldn't be an everyman. A coach should not uh, be an everyman. No. The, the results in life and in sports dictate what people think about the exact same behavior. If the, his behavior is just fine if they're winning, but if he's losing and it's identical behavior, it's analyzed different differently. It's the same thing in regular life. You know, if you, if you screw around at work and you, you do a great job, they're like, man, he's goofy. But if you do a terrible job, they're like, he's an idiot. You know, it's, it's all results. Yeah. It's all results. I completely agree. Something right before we uh, get out of here. that We were talking about how DK Metcalf has one thing and it's going forward. He just probably had a 20-yard reception if he knew how to turn. He doesn't. But he doesn't know how to turn. <laughs> he can't. His I hips are too stiff. Literally thought his, he was he's about to blow out his leg because he big. would not turn. As, as, a, as a tall guy that's built like a giraffe on the football field, straight-line guy completely. And I, I ran probably 75% of the time of my 40 came in the first 20 yards when guys like that get going down the field they can move but they cannot start and stop they cannot cut he's just it, it, it's not that he's not capable of being a good receiver um it's that he's so big and bulky it's just that's what he's going to end up being that's what happened yeah. to Keyshawn johnson too you mm -hmm. know um boykin though boykin is is a, a poor man's version of metcalf it's like you're not even that 
he can run one route better than you. <laughs> so you're not even unique, <laughs> you know? What do we need you for? What about Lima Sweet? They're, they're a... Yeah, well, Sweet, Sweet could have played. Sweet yeah. could have played. He, he was always open. mental problems. Yeah, Sweet, Sweet was. was good. Sweet yeah. would have been a really good player. I love that guy. I can't he can't believe catch. It. That was the thing. That, that drop against Baltimore wasn't even the big one. It was the drop against Cincinnati the next year. Yeah. And we ended up losing that game, and it cost us the division. Um, he was all all alone by himself in the middle of the end zone. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Cool. You guys have such a sad, sad history. I feel awful for both of you. Yeah. Hey, we went ah. we went downhill that season. We Man. lost like seven. What'd you games go that eight year. and eight? There, there were seven. There were nine and seven that year. Oh, yeah. you poor guy. You poor guy. <laughs> I was seven and nine. They had to win their last three to to they finish were... over five hundred that year. The Browns yeah. were seven, eight, and one, and I about burnt down my house. I was so happy. <laughs> I don't. That I mean, was a fun team to watch, though. <laughs> Speaking of the Bengals again, the the, the the Browns had their savage game against the Bengals last oh year gosh, at the end. That second one they played. Oh my god, it was that like thirty-one nothing in the second quarter or something yeah. like that. That was fun. Well, historically, yeah, the I, Browns are just having such a Browns year. They're they're definitely going to finish on a flurry and. 2020 is going to be all rose glasses it's that yep they finish on a flurry like so often it's unreal the browns have till 2021 then their window's over i'll say that i don't know if i want to be that pessimistic that's, that's but... everybody in the nfl though yeah we, yeah we might think it but look back two years ago whatever team we thought was going to be awesome I mean, aaron Rodgers was supposed to have won six super bowls by now <laughs> you know they, they, they've kind of come close a couple times but that's it. And then it's a coach's fault, and he's doing the same thing he's always been doing. Everybody is supposed to be great because they have so much salary cap space and they have a young quarterback and blah, blah, blah. It's, it doesn't work that way. We just don't want to remember it that way. That's all. The Eagles that are supposed to do it. The, the, the Packers have, I don't know how many, um, uh, Ted Thompson Memorial salary cap champion trophies sitting in their, their basement <laughs> right now but they haven't gone huh. squat with, with whatever salary cap space they have. There's no, uh, there's no like quantitative way to measure the future of a team. It's the a coach. great blog article. It, it's fun. Coach Smoach, we've seen it all the time. There are a few that, that consistently win, but that's a, a very small percentage overall for the amount of coaches that, that go through the NFL in a five-year period. Yeah. There's a ton of them. Yeah. You know, but the, the four the good generations of coaches have come and gone. Yeah, you get a couple good ones in there. But yeah. usually it, it's, well, in this era it's Belichick and there's everybody else. And they'll they'll divvy up a championship or two here and there until they, they finally lay that bastard in the ground. I love yeah, Pete, Bill's Pete pretty, Carroll. He's pretty decent. Yeah, I love Rock Pete Carroll. Carroll had his moment in the sun. Pete Carroll hasn't done a thing right in He's Jim years Harbaugh. Now. Yeah, basically <laughs> he had his rah, thing. Rah. And it was great, and he did well with it. And yeah, we'll we'll run something really simple with these special players. Like, well, now you can't get them because everyone else is doing what you're doing, and you're not unique, and you don't have another trick. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll end on something that'll throw everyone that listens to this into a panic attack. Sean Payton is a better coach than Andy Reid. Yeah. Well, yeah. Andy Reid's an offensive mastermind, but everyone everyone wants to crown Andy Reid as just this prize jewel. But Great guy. Assaulted Andy Reid before Mahomes got there. They hated oh Andy Reid when Alex Smith was his quarterback. And he made Alex Smith an MVP type player. Andy yeah. Reid gets people paid. Blows my mind. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And he well, also he's, he, he's he's good at it. He's a good coach. You can't yeah. say that he's not just because he hasn't won a Super Bowl. I think it's the the stupidest argument that you can make. It's not oh, that yeah. easy. And to do what you do at that high of a level for that long, 
and have some success is is an accomplishment. Yeah. Granted, again, they're they're not Belichick, but it doesn't mean that they're bad coaches. He he's not a stand, he's not a standard. He is so far historically above and beyond everybody else. You can't just say that they have to be this to be a good coach. And where does he rank all time? And it, that's <laughs> that's garbage. You know. Yeah. The only thing, if I were a Chiefs fan, Eagles fan, whoever, the only thing that makes me so angry about Andy Reid, and it's, I mean, it's a love-hate thing, is he scores so quickly that whether he had great def- defensive players or not, that his defense is always going to be bottom of the league because they score so often, they score so quickly, so their defense is on the field often and quickly. It's it's a terrible co- – if you're a defensive player and you go to the Chiefs or you go to Andy Reid's team, you're going there to die because you're going to be on the field the entire time. You're going to have 40 points. They're going to be air raiding against you. It's just that's, – that's the only thing you have against them, but it's the same token. Do you, do you, you can't say, hey, don't be yourself. Don't score fast because then, you know, you become stagnant and shit hits a fan. But, Neil – it was a pleasure having you on, man. I'd, I'd love to have you on again sometime. I'm glad that our schedules finally worked out and that you know, we were going to have you on during the trade deadline, but that was more boring than fly fishing. Yeah, that didn't work out so well. <laughs> pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. <clears throat> should probably actually do some work here. Yeah, I'm glad you yeah, came on. Yeah, that's how I feel. But... <laughs>